over. We're finished. We've lost. No. No. There's still a way. There's one solution left. I'm afraid we're forced to use it. What? Star crash. Fourth dimensional attack. Yes. If we can re-enter space at the precise moment, the impact of surprise upon the Count will be so overwhelming that he cannot halt us. But Father, there is no weapon powerful enough. Oh, yes, there is. Imperial battleship! Halt! The flow of time! Terrorvision, or if you're stumbling upon us for the first time, uh, we hate you and hope you die. On tonight's episode, we're going to be discussing possibly the first genuinely bad movie that we've ever reviewed. And um, when we're doing Terrorvision, we're not setting out to find bad movies or or so bad it's good movies. We're trying to find genuinely lost uh, gems. Correct. Uh, but in this case, we stumbled upon... Well, <laughs> What would you guys call Starcast? Let's let's do our our one sentence summary here. Uh, Toby, what what's your take on this film? Uh, Starcrash. It is an attempt to Star Wars as created by a untalented Italian director who has only read the novelization of Star Wars, which is actually what it is. You know, it's funny. My description is almost identical. My one sentence review is: uh, Imagine Star Wars. But directed by a talentless Italian and filmed by a shockingly competent orangutan. <laughs> uh, mine was uh, Mel Brooks's other draft for Spaceballs got found by the director of Troll Two, and here we go. <laughs> much better than Spaceballs, incidentally. Um, mine is Gumby voiced pseudo Jedi, Southern C three PO, and sexy Stella, uh, Stella Star search for David Hasselhoff. All of these descriptions entirely accurate, and all of them about the same movie. This this is just uh, just truly truly inept filmmaking. Uh, at from, its best, yeah, from start to yeah, finish. At its best, definitely best. So I mean, what 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 separates a movie? And and don't, don't get me wrong, thoroughly enjoyable, but for different reasons than than most of the prior television episodes. So my question for you guys is, what makes uh, a movie so bad it's good, and what makes a movie just campy and fun but but intentional? You know, the line is much blurrier than I ever imagined. Uh, and we had a bit of an adventure watching this film because most television films we watch and just kind of like, either we've already seen it, we love it, in the case of like From Beyond, or we've become cognizant of its reputation and have decided to kind of take it on. Like society. And now, I was under the impression that it was a, a Roger Corman produced film. I think we were all under that impression erroneously. So we, so we started it and kind of were expecting a film that was tongue-in-cheek, intentionally kind of cheesy and fun, 
and uh, and you know somewhat satirical and kind of uh, self aware. So what we're hoping for, if you've seen it, is uh, Death Race two thousand mixed with the Star Wars ripoffs of the day. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. Yeah, or or even any of Corman's other films uh, that he was doing at the time that were doing similar things. So we were watching it and watching it, and 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 uh, Alex was the first to kind of let out the beacon cry of this is a bad movie. <laughs> and for the first half of the film, I said, no, no, Alex. These lines are intentionally cheesy and intentionally hilarious. This film knows what it's doing because I trust the you know the Roger Corman crew and you know his his tastes and directors or whatever. And it, it suddenly became aware to me that this is not this was not and could not possibly be filmed by Roger Corman. There's just no way. First of all, there was not nearly enough nudity. In fact, there's no nudity. And if there's one thing about a Roger Corman movie, there's gonna be boobs in it somewhere. I don't care what it's about. I don't care when it's set or when it was filmed. There will be boobs. And while there's a lot of uh, scantily clad Stella Star, there's titillating imagery. Yes, which is worse is the Flavorite effect. It reminds you. <laughs> it reminds you of what you want, but you never get it. I don't think it's. I think it's a disservice to Roger Corman to call this off-brand. Roger so Corman. we were watching. And you know, we were just laughing our heads off because it's so funny. And you know, the production values—they're about on par with the Corman. Uh, you know, cheap sets, kind of, uh, you know, kind of funny. Yeah, put to, they're a little, they're sub Corman, so but, but plausibly, there, there is though Corman had his budget slashed in half. So we're watching and it, and we're just saying, which is, yeah, we're having these disagreements about kind of the the source of the film. We're noticing the voices seem dubbed. So eventually, we are all right. Ben, look up the history of this film, and it's revealed that it is actually directed by Luigi Cosi, uh, <laughs> who is an Italian uh, filmmaker. And uh, as I described, it was his attempt to do a Star Wars film. He went on to direct uh, the greatest bad movie... No, sorry. He went on to produce, edit, and co-direct the greatest bad film of all time, Sinbad of the Seven Seas. So it became very clear to us at that point, no, this actually is just a so-bad-it's-good, hilarious film. And the Roger Corman connection is, in fact, that he had... Uh, brought the film to the, to the United States. And uh, and actually, based on the, uh, I don't know what the word would be to say success, <laughs> went on to create his own uh, Star Wars ripoff, which I believe is called uh, Battle of the Stars. So we'll look into that and maybe reference it on a future podcast. I don't think we're going to do a whole one on it, though. So, oh. But it's interesting because we have these, these hilarious lines and great moments throughout the film. And Alex was laughing because he felt they were so bad they're good. And I'm laughing because I thought that they were intentional and uh, a good example is actually the lines in terror vision with the the film terror vision yeah which i was describing as being you know only a genius could write lines these stupid you know this stupid <laughs> and, them hooters. exactly and only an, only a genius could, could write lines this stupid and that's what i was thinking was happening here uh but as it wore on it started to finally dawn on me that we were watching a truly wonderfully terrible film and we're not looking we don't want this kind of film necessarily for television because we want to give attention anyway because we want to give people genuinely good films they can get behind but we watched it we loved it it's it's hard to argue with starcraft we gotta talk about it it's it's hard not to so yeah this was an italian movie it was shot in italian and then it was redubbed into english no shot it it was shot in english well it was shot in english but it was dubbed over yeah but with different actors so a lot of this sort of just off-putting pauses in the dialogue are explained, and then they make perfect sense, because you'd have lines like, He wants us to alert someone, urgently. Who? The Emperor of the First Circle of the Universe. It's the emblem of the Chief Officers of the Imperial Navy. I'd say red-hot potatoes for small-time smugglers on the run like us. Yeah. There'd just be these, these out-of-place pauses, and you'd be like, why 
was that line delivered in that way? At first, I thought opening, I, at first I thought they were aping Shatner, but no, it's yeah. just the opening. <laughs> the opening line of the movie is, "What is it like, the planet we're approaching? Nothing but ice and snow, a barren desert of whiteness. Scan it with our computer waves. The enemy's weapons may be hidden beneath its surface." <laughs> oh, get me some computer waves at table six. I could really. Which, by the way, let's uh, mention the cast really quick. And when I say the cast, I mean David Hasselhoff's in this movie. That's all. Oh, and Christopher Plummer. And Christopher Plummer. If Hello. you wanted some more Von Trapp loving. So, if you liked The New World, you'll love Starcraft. If you wanted um, Sound of Music in Space, you will not get that here. One of the great things about the movie is the sort of bizarre world Star Wars that uh, it creates. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because it doesn't want to rip Star Wars off too completely. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it does. I think it does. It does, but it but it, it it's like... It's like um, they have a lot of very similar elements and a lot of the same sort of thematic stuff. I mean, clear, clearly the Count uh, Zarth Arn <laughs> yes. is, a, is an obvious Vader stand-in. Uh, well, he's sort of the Vader and the Emperor rolled into one. Yeah. You've got an obvious C-3PO stand-in. L, the southern L. robot. You have Stella Star, who's sort of a combination of Princess Leia and Han Solo rolled into one. But mostly just Princess Leia and Jabba's palace. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Acton, who is... Who's kind of like the Jedi. Yeah. He's sort of like he's sort of like the the uh, Star Crash version of Luke. Um, of Luke, with poorly explained powers, and yes. I guess he's an alien. They don't but... really mention it until like halfway <laughs> through the movie, and then he instantly knows how all of his powers work and acts like he's had them the whole time. He's yeah. like, no, I, no, I, guys, I got this. Let's not forget about the green Thor who portrays our heroes, and no one cares about him. Oh, the Piccolo. The movie. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Dynamic. The um, the only the only true ripoff moment I felt is when um, Acton pulls out a lightsaber. Literally pulls I know, out a lightsaber. It's like there's no question. No, I, it's I, 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 I but just, prior to that moment, everything's kind of like shades of Star Wars, but not quite there. Yeah, I disagree because I think I think the movie's really gunning for what Star Wars gives you is the fe- the thrilling feeling of a serial in, uh, western in space rebels fighting against a large empire, talking about a much larger picture all over the rings through smaller characters but nowhere near as successfully as star wars what, does what it does give naturally. you is the what it does give you is the suspense and wonderment of a giant golden rocket shattering through a window and a bunch of people <laughs> coming out of it oh, we're gonna get to that we're gonna, we're, we're probably gonna dedicate quite a bit of time to yes, that, so yes. I'm gonna, there's I'm so gonna, much to it. talk about i will say the the main difference between in star wars uh in what it's attempting to do i say is there's a little uh there's intentionally less innocence in its tone it wants to be slightly i don't want to say more adult more just a little, a little bit darker, yeah, and a lot more sleazy. God, not even sexual, yeah, it is just kind of sleazy. <laughs> Seductive. And the movie actually made me appreciate appreciate Star Wars so much more because I'm like, you know, there was actually a really delicate balancing act of introducing people gently into the world, and it does it just right. And it's actually something I think the original Matrix does really well that I don't think people actually give enough crap for. Um, Star Crash is a good 60% exposition. Yeah. Just yeah. talking about what's going to happen... It is, uh. it is not economical <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Although, I don't know why I'm bothering to sit and attack that, because this movie's got more cheese than France, and it's all delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite uh, Star Wars ripoff moment is the moment where Acton is deflecting Thor's deadly laser beams. Oh, God, yes. And this is just, it's just, it's purely didactic. I mean, it's, Thor is firing beams at Acton, and he says, Put down the gun. Stop! No one can survive these deadly rays. These deadly rays will be your death. And that's exactly what happens in slow motion. It's pure Luigi cause. <laughs> Classic Luigi cause. What about the low shot? 
from that's literally the first shot in Star Wars that they use over oh, and over yeah, again. No, no. That that like every <laughs> every shot in space because they okay. Here's what confuses me. Oh, there is we, a text crawl. Yeah. Here's what confuses me. We read that it's based on a novelization of Star Wars. All good and well, and basically makes sense. One thing that doesn't make sense though, like when pods shoot out of the ship, is the exact same shot. When the when the giant star cruiser comes in, it's the exact same shot. Like all the the way that space is filmed. The way that, uh, like, space itself and space in relation to other things is filmed is the exact same way Star Wars is filmed every time they show a space shot of the original trilogy. You can't get that from the novelization. Someone had to see some images. <laughs> the character of L, the robot, who is very obviously supposed to be C-3PO. With a twist. With a twist. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing. He constantly makes reference to him being nervous. Oh, makes me so nervous. Everything makes you nervous. But he's now he's by far the most effective character. And he confident. Does, he's I mean, confident. I would actually and so filled with joie de vie. Yes. I would go as far as to say he seemed to have been programmed to never give up. <laughs> so, so, so. He uh, actually he, he saves Stella Star's life on many occasions. But uh, one of my favorites is by like cryogenically freezing her, um, so <laughs> she does not solo. freeze to. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, in fact, I think kind if, of if, circular logic there, but it works out. <laughs> if L were to meet C-3PO at a, at a southern bar, I think he'd probably kick the shit out of him. Pretty much. You can't keep a good robot down. <laughs> he'd probably call him a queer. Just on general principle, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy's character from Cars just met with C-3PO and they merged into this character. <laughs> L, L, L is, I would say, the Spiro of this film. Yeah, so easily. easily. L, L looks like the robot from Forbidden Plant slash Lost in Space. And has talks like a, a southern lawyer. No, literally yeah. talks like no, literally talks like Larry the Cable Guy and makes Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> style jokes. Like if they made as written the Cab- by an Italian. Yeah, if, if, Larry the, if Larry the Cable Guy like was playing a robot in a CG animated movie, this is what it would sound like. Um, what, another great thing that that uh, that L uh, says, and like also again, he's inconsistent. He's like, is he nervous? Is he a hero? Like it's not clear. But at one point, he he proclaims uh, in relation to a human beings outburst. Have you both gone mad? I only have logic and emotion, so it gets no room for craziness. <laughs> well, <laughs> it only makes sense. Which, you know... Do you want to break down some more of the characters? Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go through it. Because this yeah. is worth examining. I mean, they're all, yeah. they're all pretty amazing. So, we don't really have a Chewbacca, per se. Uh, Not maybe really. that Thor character. Thor, so Thor was the closest Thor. thing to a Chewbacca. So, Thor is yeah. green, sort of. Sometimes his makeup doesn't reach all the way down his neck. but we'll, Sometimes we'll he's gray. He's like, <laughs> he's like the Hulk, basically. He's whatever they had in, in, their, in yeah. their jar in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and, you don't, and you don't really get to know the character. And then about half hour in, he decides to betray all of them. And you don't really know why. Uh, no, he explicitly... He was, quote, he explicitly uh, tells you why. And I'm leaving to join Count Zartharn as the Prince of the League of Darkness. Which I mean, Who wouldn't want that? Which I mean, Full benefits. They go on to explain in depth what that truly means. And by that I mean they don't, and it's a one-off line that does nothing to explain anything. Well, that, that, that there's, a lot of, there's a lot of mysteries in, in, in the world of Stella Star. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are the Dark Planets? What is involved in their league? Yeah, the uh, all we know who is the who is the emperor of the outer ring or whatever. We know that Stella <laughs> Star has been sent the, to the haunted yeah. stars. We've been searching for you all these damned haunted stars. Very damn redundant. these haunted damn, stars! I'm searching all through these damn, damn haunted, haunted stars. stars. And now we're at the very haunt of these haunted stars <laughs> near the dark planets. 
That's like, I gotta give it credit. This is the first time I've ever heard the phrase haunted stars in my life. And it's kind of good. It is. It's creepy. It's, it strikes a lot of the right notes. Um, it's okay. also the first time I've ever heard, come on, Stella. So we've got, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Stella Star, the, 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 well, in one of the, the titular character in the alternate title. Um, the titular on, character for about the first, 60% first of the movie. Also, then, uh, also emphasis on the word tit. <laughs> She's basically a combination of, of Han Solo and... Vampirella. The, and Vampirella and, and, the, <laughs> and Princess Leia from just from the first part of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Um, she goes through more costume changes in this one movie. Let me count. I do a, I did a Did draw, you do a running tally? I did a drawing <laughs> of every single outfit she had. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six... Seven. Seven outfits. Seven outfits, and she goes through, I think, five in the first, like, 30 minutes. And yeah. we, Every she, single time you see her, she's wearing something different. Unfortunately, she spends a majority of the time in this, like, garbage bag space suit <laughs> with a sexy outfit underneath. That you but, could kind yeah. of see, yeah, but not really. See. So after, yeah. Which is basically yeah. this movie. That's actually a pretty fitting... <laughs> That's actually a pretty metaphor. fitting metaphor for this film. Yes. It's like someone put a garbage bag over Star Wars, <laughs> and you can kind of see it underneath, but mostly it's just a huge disappointment. Uh, the best, by the way, the best costume change in the whole movie is easy, for her is easily the uh, Star Warp, and they are on the other side of the warp, oh, yeah. and it's supposed to be like, you know, a millisecond later because they're warping. Yep. Uh, nope, she's changed clothes in that second, so <laughs> somehow she's managed to do a whole new outfit. By the way, it goes from a bikini to a slightly different bikini, and this yes. time with a collar. A yeah. It's the it's the Vampirilla outfit. It's, oh, it's sure. got the it's got the the Dracula collar. Yep. It's got like the, the 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 one strap going down, covering just the nipples. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> her collars are integral to most of her outfits. I, I read a number of uh, things about this, and apparently she wears saucy outfits for the first half, and then the reason why she switches to the garbage bag is because the distributors wanted to make it more TV appropriate to, to distribute on TV. It's just like, <laughs> if she's wearing a saucy outfit for one half of the movie, yeah. what difference does it make for the second half? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh-huh, we got you there, viewers. <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> so, what about Acton? Acton's kind of a mystery. Okay, he's, Acton, he's like this extraordinarily affable, like, yeah. nothing gets me down, everything's yeah. great I character. seriously thought he was, like, going to be revealed as a cyborg a la Alien. <laughs> um, like, oh, I've just been programmed to be a regular person because he's so, like, lifeless. No, I he was guess, programmed but, to never give up. But he, oh, is, but he right. is an alien. I he, mean, he does yeah, act strangely they for never, a potential do reason. Do they ever explain what he, he is? <laughs> no, like, what gives him his power? He's essentially a Jedi. Oh, my but f- they couldn't say Jedi, yeah. so they said alien. My favorite thing about him is that he reveals, after he kills Thor... He can uh, see into the future. He can see a little bit in the future. Um, <laughs> Stella asks him, Then you knew about Thor. Yes, I did. So you see into the future. All these years, you never told me. Think of all the trouble I might have avoided. And he simply says, You would have tried to change the future, which is against the law. Yep. So keep that in mind. <laughs> so I'm, so I'm keep like, that in mind yeah. in the future when you want to change something. Cause... It's like, sorry, I'm part of the future future time law. You can't just go breaking future time I'm, laws. It's as bad as pirating a DVD. <laughs> unlike, or... uh, unlike Nicolas Cage's character in the much celebrated Next, he uh, does not want to break the law. He's power <laughs> to see immediately in the future. Uh, <laughs> another thing about that character is it's like the movie makes so much painstaking effort to explain things that don't need to explain that are never shown. That are never paid off. <laughs> and yet, no effort is made to explain his powers. We, no, uh, not we, crap, yeah. at least. We, we not know. even something so nebulous as saying it's the Force. Yeah. We never really find out what the hell a Star Crash is, either. I will bring that up later, and you will... 
Yes. Well, I think it's I think it's a good a good moment to do our uh, to do our top three. All right. Okay. What I got is my top three plot points that got lost in translation. Number three is what Stella Star and Acton were doing that got them arrested in the first place. Some hanky panky. Like we know they were going fast through space. That's all I got. And then they were arrested by L, the uh, the nervous robot policeman, and yeah. Thor, the evil Piccolo Namekian Chewbacca. Um, <laughs> if I may, perhaps they were trying to, trying to change the future. That is, a, that is illegal. It is I think illegal. It, at one point Maybe they make a vague reference to, to being, being small time smugglers. But they never. It's so never presumably they were, they were smuggling something, or yeah, it's it's unclear. Like, number two is at, towards the end of the film, the Imperial forces are trying to defeat the evil Count, who has a quote unquote doom machine, which we never really find out what it is. All we know is that there's a lot of explosives on this phantom planet. But we don't know what he's going to do with them, how he's going to deploy them. But he will live forever. He will live forever. <laughs> but, I mean, what is he going to do with all these Doom machines in his garage? On the, yeah, the, the Doom yeah. machine is extremely nebulous. It creates something called Red Monsters. Yes. Yeah. Which you never see. And occasionally they'll put some sparkly red filter over the, yeah. uh, over the, over the lens... But it's unclear what the hell um, that's doing either. Yeah. Uh, and to show you how much credit we were giving, I was giving the movie right away. I was like, oh, Red Monsters. I wonder if that's going to turn into some metaphor for communism. No. <laughs> we, really, we were really giving this movie credit at the beginning. I was really thinking this would be a, a you guys, fun... You guys wow. held out a lot longer than that. I think within about ten minutes, I was like, this is awful. What, what the fuck are we watching? All right. <laughs> and my number one is what the titular star crashing actually is. The only thing they say is that it's an attack in the fourth dimension. What is that? And then Stella Star gracefully, like, swan dives out of a space window. Then yeah. you get the awesome button by Christopher Plummer, which, oh, is, God. which is the most... You do get the closing oh, yes, monologue. Yes. Well, it's done. It's happened. The stars are clear. The planets shine. Yes. Which is the most impossible to follow and amazingly <laughs> hilarious monologue this side of a Plan 9. Oh, some dark force, no doubt, will show its face once more. And so, <laughs> but for now. and so the words of Journey take us on. The wheel will always turn. We rest. <laughs> yeah. But for now it's calm. And for a little time, at least... We can rest. And future events like these will affect you in the future. And, uh, <laughs> but it's illegal to change them. So. The, the, great, the great tidbit about that is that, of course, all Christopher Plummer's stuff was shot in one day. So they just like brought him in there and sat him down in the stupid ch stupid chair and put him put him in this ridiculous outfit. Yeah. It's like oh. say this bullshit. And, Chris, and he turns in the worst performance of his career. Yeah, and Chris he's just Rock shutting his eyes yeah. and then opening them and staring I, straight. I must ahead say, I think he drank a tall glass of Nyquil. All right, my top three was initially which bikini I like the best, but I decided not to do that because it's a little lame. I also, it's do... audio. It'd be cheating our guests. That's all. true. Well, I, had, I had elaborate descriptions. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, my top three are movies that this reminded me of that weren't Star Wars. And I actually had five, but I narrowed them down. Number three is Forbidden Planet because of a projected monster that makes people crazy with fear, which is the what the monster is in Forbidden Planet. That is true. Found out. 
Um, number two uh, was actually Planet of the Apes because of the horseback riding and the because beach. Because of Hell in a Bottom Cart. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the original Planet of the Apes with the horseback riding on the beach um, that randomly happens yep. and they destroyed things that are on the beach. And the ape creatures. And we should mention actually and, the planet. And, and, oh, that's and, true. And the number one is uh, Jason and the Argonauts because of the large... Uh, ape robot creature that has suddenly produced and very suddenly disappears <laughs> yeah. but feels very Jason the Argonauts tastic because it feels oh, like a very yeah. stop animation you know, yeah. and it's on true. the Amazon's planet uh, you know, yeah for sure for a space film there are a lot of scenes on beaches and with uh-huh. like barbarians oh yeah that's why it's a Jason the <laughs> Argonauts cavemen and, 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 yeah. and Planet of the Apes that's quite peculiar and the other the other the other two that I didn't that I didn't have in were uh, Logan's Run because they're always running away from something they're the younger they're a young hot couple with 70s look to them, they're all running away from a dated future. Wait, Acton is far from hot. I'll point, He's talking me... about L. I hate it. <laughs> um, and then the number, the other one was uh, Wizard of Oz, because if you remember the judge, oh, he yeah. is a giant Oz head, like clearly a riff on the Oz Oh, that's head. a great part. You mean the huge head tentacle judge? Wind- yes. Because that scene... With the way it mats on stuff and the way it puts all these things together, it looks legitimately gorgeous in an almost house kind of way. So, because like, so I much say, of it is so bad. I will say, I, I really agree with Alex in that this movie does not use a cheap set, which does look even cheaper than most Roger Corman movies. Roger Corman tries to film the sets or tries to get his people to film the sets and some of them in ways that look impressive or like at least remind you of like with what was it t- Galaxy of Terror it directly reminds you of Alien mm-hmm. this movie doesn't remind me of Star Wars it just basically says we're Star Wars and so I'm supposed to be reminded of at no point do the sets ever like truly look like the inside of a spaceship uh, tell me what you have in our top three uh, my top three are you know once I finally conceded to the film being a bad movie I began to realize just how wonderful of a bad movie it is. Uh, got near the top of my favorite bad movies of all time. It's so amazingly hilarious from top to bottom. It's True. great. Uh, but Ben and I had a, had, a, had a kind of a good discussion about it because I we talked about, okay, what bad films are still better? And so I have the top three bad films that are better than uh, Star Crash. Number three is uh, R. Kelly's magnum opus, Trapped in the Closet. <laughs> How you know, a movie, chapters though? 1 through 22. It's about feature length. True. Uh, true. If, you, if you throw the whole thing together, and I strongly recommend you do. Oh, Go yes. ahead, climax. <laughs> shit, think, shit, think. <laughs> I mean, Trapped in the Closet, I could watch for the rest of my life. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, number two is, of course, the Tommy Wiseau, uh, The Room. The Room. Which, I mean, doesn't need any description or, or any further discussion. And number one is, uh, as previously referenced, my favorite bad film of all time, which also had a hand in from uh, Luigi Cazzi, is Sinbad of the Seven Seas, starring <laughs> Lou Ferrigno. Which, by the way, we got, actually, we got to stop for just one second. It is at least Toby and I's favorite bad movie. Everybody out there, you really have to watch this movie because it doesn't quite have the cult it deserves. Even Star Crash has a bigger cult. It's true. And, it, and Sinbad is like <laughs> pound for pound, like, jaw-dropping in how many different ways each scene goes wrong. <laughs> and it's never boring. It's very funny. And if you like looking at Lou Ferrigno's yeah. oiled chest, you are in luck. It's and true. if you like hearing fake quotes from Confucius, you will love it. <laughs> bring the kids. Bring the everybody. Sinbad is terrific. I think it is available on Netflix. Anyway. It's true. Sinbad of the Seven Seas, I strongly recommend it to all Americans. <laughs> <laughs> to all living beings. Uh, throughout the universe. Well, you know, it's funny, Toby, you, you, you're you kind of ripping on this movie by naming three movies that are better than it. I took the opposite tack. Um, my top three is three reasons uh, Star Crash is better than Star Wars. Number, right. number three. It takes three movies to get Princess Leia in a bikini. 
But Stella Star <laughs> is in a vampirilla costume within ten minutes. More than one bikini, in fact. In fact, <laughs> three or four bikinis throughout the film. Number two, carbonite. I mean, come on. It's a ludicrous concept that defies even my hearty powers of suspension of disbelief. In Star Crash, Stella and Elle just lie down in the snow until someone picks them up. <laughs> Story of my life. Ooh. Problem solved. I mean, it's got to be like five minutes. It's only. It's not that long. <laughs> no, they didn't even need to go oh into suspended animation. They could have just been taking a nap. Yeah. Really. But number one, in Star Wars, they basically leave it to the viewer to determine whether or not Darth Vader is evil. I mean, it's it's conveyed through his voice, his demeanor, his actions. Uh, that's too ambiguous. In Star Crash, Count Zarth Arn is continually refer- referred to simply as the evil, evil count. count. The yeah. evil. Count Zarth Arn. One, not two, or three. And if you that's much tell, less confusing. And if you couldn't tell from that, his facial hair had to have tipped you off. <laughs> and his he's declara- jafaring it yeah. like nobody's business. And his declaration that he's going to be the master of the universe and live forever after the sunset <laughs> in space. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that, but that, that kind of holds true for the whole film, actually. I mean, Zarth Arn never does anything particularly heinous. I mean, his laughs are pretty heinous. But... His laugh. <laughs> I mean, he's clearly the villain, but... There's never get there's you never given hey, a reason to hate him to or hold. root against. Zarthorn has a doom machine, and he has something called red monsters. The viewer's given no reason to dislike Zarthorn. He never does anything evil. Yes, he's simply you're simply told that he's evil yeah. and that you should hate him. I mean, and maybe, that's basically the approach the movie takes does, to everything. Maybe he does think the, there's sunsets in space. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> maybe it's really the emperor of the first circle of the universe. We should be taking a closer look at people. And all of his guards are only armed with what looks like Nerf guns, so I yeah. can't really feel too threatened. <laughs> sorry, laser spears, Ben. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> should we take a moment to talk about some of the weaponry used in this movie? At let's all? take a let's talk about one talk specific. Maybe this is a good lead into something a, a, else you guys a, might a, want a to talk about. A specific tactic. Yeah, we've, we've been the holding best war tactic of all time. <laughs> we've been holding back because we haven't even talked about the best so, part of this film. Yeah, yeah. viewers, you know how there's that whole vacuum of space. Well, the good emperor doesn't give a fuck. And he's going to send his people through the vacuum of space in a missile that's very easily opened up through your window, crashing through all of some baseball in your neighborhood, going through your front window. And people are just going to pop out and shoot your ass. Right, so essentially, essentially, the final battle comes down to this. Like, it's, it's modeled after the final battle in Star Wars to an extent. Really? In that you have a couple of space fleets... You've got the Emperor's big, like, throne room with the big windows and stuff. But the, uh, the good guy's uh, method of uh, combat is to launch these enormously phallic golden torpedoes <laughs> directly through these huge bay windows, whereupon two golden men in spacesuits jump out and start shooting, uh, much, much like, a, like the end of an early period James Bond movie. Yeah. And it's visually... <laughs> It's just, it's so clear that people are picking up a lightweight golden uh, cylinder, hurling it through some special effects glass. Yes. It's bouncing a couple of times, then they're cutting to a different shot in which two people clamber out. And, and by thing. the way, these people that pop out of this missile, they get owned. They get killed like, every time. Yeah. Like, they they're, are, just, they're just immediately gunned down. It's, it's a terrible like, tactic. I, I, love the, I love the thought process. We're just like, I wonder what it's like in this universe that, like, it's, it makes more sense to... To them <laughs> to send two people in a torpedo than to send an explosive torpedo. Which why like, <laughs> people's lives are less valuable than even gunshots. I, I would not. Yeah, I would not sign for that job. Also, the, you think the other like side tactics to that would be you're using the vacuum of space to suck in the ship? No, it doesn't nope. really affect them. Also, the windows apparently yeah. for your spaceship 
Oh, they're a little bit weaker than your normal I like cane glass. <laughs> it happens consistently over and over again for like an entire duration yeah. despite the it's really wrong. I will say it's their only plant. Yeah, yeah. I will say that there must be such an unbelievable number of windows in this building. Because it just for the Yeah, every every shot is a new broken window. It's you know, I think they basically shot all of their human torpedoes and then when they realized that it didn't work, they went, uh, I guess we lost. That's essentially that is essentially how the battle is resolved. Yes. The quote unquote good emperor is like we are defeated. Really? You just that, you shot all your yeah. human torpedoes, didn't work, uh, the you're done. The only method the left is the titular star crash attack in the fourth yep. dimension. Time for that fourth dimensional attack. Um, yeah. My favorite line from the movie. Imperial battleship, halt the flow of time. Plummer's closing monologue is just, it's a peach. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's such like a victory lap for the movie because you're already just wow. you're, already, you're already so bowled over and just amazed at what you've witnessed, and then Christopher Plummer just wraps it all up with just this thing that makes no fucking sense. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, and so, okay, I guess the the thing it takes so that makes it uh, less good than my all star lineup of so bad they're good movies. And mine, by the way, are the exact same as Toby's, except for I switch out Trap in the Closet for Troll Two. Is that like ones like Troll Two, The Room, uh, Simbat, all probably unintentionally have run-on gags with with the room is the really obvious oh hi mark being used throughout the entire week it's funnier and funnier every time it's the first time you're just confused and it keeps going Sinbad has like really weird recalls not as good as the room the room actually like builds them up perfectly uh, my favorite Sinbad recall is him taking out a sword and then throwing it <laughs> like uh and, and yes yes and then troll 2 troll 2 has like the grandfather's already, like, fucking amazing that he exists. But then, like, they climax it with, go back to your world of shadows, old man. <laughs> Even though, like, at no point does it imply that Grandpa is, like, an evil demon. He just yeah. gets more and more mysterious and strange as the movie goes on. The rules get less and less clear. Uh, Star Crash does not do that. There's nothing, there's no real thing that's add-on. Uh, L does. Oh shoot! We haven't mentioned L dies twice. 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 Was, yeah, he, he actually just reappears. Time. It's completely unclear how. It, it, it's actually impossible for him to get back. Yes, yeah. because we realized There's no that ships. The planet, the planet blows up. It blew up. The crazy. whole room was like L is at. I'm like, no, he's coming back. Yeah, Toby's face yeah, was yeah. the beloved I know. Ball. I, I know. I, I'm. I'm proud of you, Toby. He looked Thank pretty you. dead to me. I know, it's just, I thought he already died once, so I thought for sure he couldn't do it again. I will say, actually, <laughs> I said that he'd come back, but by the by the time he did come back, I I had lost faith that he would come back. Yeah. yeah. By I, that time. I, I, never, you, you, I have to say, though, after your example, to reveal yeah, after, your example just Toby, after your example, Toby, you I'm it all along. Yo, very frightened about Christ. <laughs> L was truly the Christ figure of yeah. this film. So are we are we good to do star ratings? You think? Or? Yeah, I think so. I think it's about All that right. time. Toby, four stars. Oh, Jesus, really? Think about the, <laughs> think about the entertainment value of this film. Oh my god! Think I about guess. sit down, get all your friends together, any age, any sensibility. It's not like a movie like Society where it's really only going to appeal to a specific kind of subset of, of genre fans or a certain kind of person. I'll actually fight against that with Society. I think it actually okay can from beyond broader uh, movies yeah. like From Beyond are only going to appeal to a certain kind yeah. of person. Star Crash, I think, has an appeal to anyone. You can sit down with your parents. <laughs> Maybe not your parents. You can sit down with anyone you're friends yeah. with personally, and, or even just go to a party. I, Get everybody I, together, watch Star Crash. You're going to laugh your head off the whole time. I'd watch it again tomorrow. Well, Four Stars from Toby is not too surprising because he likes terrible things. Uh, a lot. I can't, I can't give this movie four stars. I, I was kind of at a two, 
until the uh, until the human missiles came through the windows. Yeah. That bumped it up to a solid three for me. And by the time Plummer's monologue rolled rolled out at the end, I was thoroughly in love with Star Crash. But I just I can't give a movie this incompetent, this inconsistent, this inaudible and poorly shot four stars. It's hilarious, yes. Um, but I don't think it quite makes it into all-time classic bad movie territory. But still, a, a very respectable three stars and an an appreciative three stars because I I quite enjoyed myself. Three stars with a sensual wink. Yes, three I, stars with a with a with a uh, massage and a happy happy ending. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I know I pretty much agree. I give it three stars as well. I am very interested to see if I get a group of friends going who wants to see the movie and I wind up watching it again. If it plays even better on repeat viewings, because that's like, one thing about Sinbad. Sinbad's great, but you realize you watch it five times and it's still just as great. However, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say though, Sinbad. I like I the second it was over, I was like, that's one of the, that is the best worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. And I want to watch again next week. And, and like Sinbad, I would watch by myself. Maddie <laughs> <laughs> has done that, and I'm Shut sure up. It's, maybe I have. I'm sure it's still good. Hey, uh, let's let's just say Star Crash doesn't feature anybody uh, talking and then tying snakes up together in order to get out of a cave. Sinbad is a pretty special breed of creature. Yes. Uh, Star Crash, I'll be interested to see if it does better on repeat viewings. I I was almost with Toby. I was thinking about it. And I, I, my, my previous complaints about it doesn't have any Ron jokes, doesn't have anything that I'm quite... There's a lot of quotable lines, but not like stuff that quite builds. Um, so it's just on the cusp of greatness for me. I can't name off besides those three. Uh, and if you want to trap, name Trap and Claws, I'll include that too. Besides those, I can't name off anything better than that than this. As far as bad movies go. Yeah, so as far as pound for pound bad movies go. There's some like current stuff that's just like so awful or other stuff that's just like amusing in general. But like for actual like specific times where you can point to, you know, how the flow of time, how the flow of time laughs. Yeah, okay. I'm going to bridge the gap with 3.5. I... I was never once unhappy to be watching this movie. It's just so much fun, and I do think it would hold up on repeat viewings. Like I hadn't thought about it until a moment ago. But it's like I, imagine I trying to piece so. together the story on repeat um, viewings. It's true. You might you yes. might get, you might plumb new uh, information. I, from, I might from even one of those monologues probably has hidden depths to it. Uh, unlike the room, which the first scene I knew. <laughs> I yeah. knew it was going to be amazing. Also, uh, one of my personal favorite bad movies is Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I just thought I'd <laughs> plug that real quick. The problem with that is it's a million years long, but totally worth it if you want to know. Oh, when you're watching it, it's almost as though the Imperial Battleship has halted the flow of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob Hughes unfortunately filled that flow. Please let me go. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say 3.5. I was never once unhappy to be there. I only had a great time and a billion quotes to show for it, which everyone That's knows true. is and my so favorite activity. So many outfits, so many new outfit ideas. So my new... wardrobe as Stella Star is gonna take the cake. That'd be a great Halloween. Costume. So many new, so many <laughs> new colors for your bikinis. I should change every hour of the day and do a new Stella Star. Every, every, before before, before inevitably dis- half of the day. Yeah, before yeah. inevitably before... disappointingly settling in the garbage bag. <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually is a very decent point about the movie. Is like it takes you a little while to kind of get in the groove and figure out that this is amazing. Like all the other, like all all of our all star bad movies. Like yeah, like the room where you're just like oh, or trapped in a closet. Yeah, yes. you're like what? <laughs> or, or we have Simbest starting out with "Tell me the story again, Grandpa." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But actually, I gotta say, Troll Two I think is the best because you have this whole story about goblins and it's just complete out of nowhere. And Grandpa is telling this horribly graphic story to his kid, and then it ends it with the mom coming in and goes, 
going, are you seeing Grandpa again? And there's a big zoom out, and the ch- rocking chair is empty, and Grandpa's imaginary, and he's already dead. And you're like, holy crap! <laughs> that was like three layers of shit. Like, that's what Control 2 is. Insert a quick thing that I like about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, because I have to, please listen to me. Um, no! Is that it starts with a text about Mary Shelley's novel, <laughs> and then it goes to this completely unrelated uh, boating expedition in, like, the northern hemisphere and then it finds Kenneth Branagh and then he tells his flashback story of the creature um, oh god you know what that reminds me of at the beginning of Sinbad they, they do Edgar Allan Poe yeah exactly <laughs> Sinbad, Sinbad from, the, from the top is like we're gonna give you Edgar Allan Poe's version of Sinbad and, and it was a picture not. of Sinbad <laughs> So all all three of your favorite bad movies have some great framing device. Some incomprehensible framing device. And again, again, Trapped in the Closet, too. That's the narrator in the closet singing the narration of the story that he's also playing by the same actor. Let me go back, though. Sinbad, let's just say, not only has the framing of uh, Edgar Allan Poe uh, scrolling text intro, but then goes to the daughter (laughs) being told the story. (laughs) <laughs> double intro, double goodness. I, I still say, I still say that like nothing can even touch Troll Two because it starts out with this weird goblin, all this goblin crap, an incredible amount of detail, and Grandpa telling his kid, kids saying funny line to Grandpa, and then topping it off, all that goblin information you just learned that makes no sense was told to you by Grandpa, who's already dead and a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> this has been. Star Crash, and a discussion about the other greatest bad movies this of all time. This has been Mary Shelley's, Tommy Wiseau's, Kenneth Branagh's, Luigi Cazzi's, uh, Troll Star- 2, uh, the best Troll- worst movie, <laughs> uh, uh, Star Crash, R- Chapter in the Closet, R. Kelly's, <laughs> Star Crash. Uh, <laughs> the Adventures of Stella Star. Yeah. <laughs> so, head on over to No Blog, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>